Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast, the incremental anti-diet solution for effective permanent weight loss. Primal Potential is committed to helping you overcome emotional eating, hormonal imbalances, unhealthy habits, and your dieting mindset through education and inspiration. We don't just talk about what you should eat and what you should avoid. We talk strategy. Primal Potential is bridging the gap between knowing and doing. Each episode will leave you with concrete tips for making positive changes that make a difference. Primal Potential is here to help you lose weight, get healthy, and master fat loss naturally. Hey there, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your friend, Elizabeth Benton, and I'm glad we are hanging out again. I would enjoy this so much more if we could just sit face-to-face in a coffee shop and talk about this stuff. Really because there would be coffee, but also because you would be there too. Today, I want to talk about hunger. Um, I get emails every single day from people who feel like they can't get in front of their hunger. They're always battling against being hungry. They don't know what to eat shortly after a meal when their body is telling them that they are hungry. And I think a lot of people too that are getting false hunger signals and maybe don't know that they're false and don't know how to overcome that. So today I wanna talk about the best ways to respond when you experience that hunger what kind of responses to avoid, and how you can really tune into and understand your own hunger response and address some of the really common misconceptions about hunger and what it means. So let's start kind of identifying what hunger is and what actually triggers it in the body. And I think that we all need to start with this basic fundamental fact your body can and will send you false hunger signals. It's not mean or anything, but it's in response to some condition in your body that it's trying to get your attention. Your body thinks it needs fuel even when it doesn't. Because remember that hunger is hormonal biofeedback. It is a signal based on hormonal shifts and things happening in the body when there is some type of imbalance. That does not mean that your body needs fuel, but it does mean that you have done something or not done something to make your body think that it needs fuel. And when it thinks it needs fuel, it's gonna sound all the alarms to get you to eat even though you might not need to. But you're not like screwed. Don't think, oh my gosh, my body's working against me and I get hungry all the time and my body's lying, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. You can take control here when you understand what contributes to those false hunger signals so that you can respond in a different way. Does that make sense? I wanna, I wanna make everybody feel empowered here. This isn't something like your body's playing tricks on you and you can never know when it's real or not. You totally can, and that is what we are going to talk about. So we have talked in previous episodes about one of the most common false hunger signals and what causes it, but I want to really briefly explain it here again, okay? And this is 
what often people experience when they're saying, I just can't, I have to eat every couple of hours. I'm always hungry. Mm, maybe, maybe it's a false hunger signal and there's an easy way to get in front of it. So let me explain. When your blood sugar drops off and insulin generally decreases alongside with that, your body will trigger hunger and often cravings to urge you to eat because your body wants to make sure that there's enough sugar in your blood in case you need to like run away from a bear or something like that. Is a survival mechanism. Your body wants to make sure that there's plenty of fuel. And when we have a drop off in our blood sugar, the body goes, whoa, 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 we need more fuel even when it doesn't. Having low blood sugar does not mean that your body actually needs fuel in that moment, okay? And what happens is oftentimes the way we eat triggers this response, triggers this false hunger, even just an hour or two after we've already eaten, after we've given our body sometimes even more than it needs, but we get these false hunger signals. And I often use... A particular example, when I explain why eating carbs in the morning is not the best thing for fat loss, it's like this. You wake up in the morning, and most of us have been fasting all night long. I know there are some of you who wake up in the middle of the night and eat. I'm not talking about you people. I'm talking about people that, you know, stop eating before bed and don't eat again until morning, right? So you wake up in the morning, and your blood sugar is low, and your insulin is low, because, of course, you haven't fed yourself in many hours. So you eat something high in sugar or carbs. You have a bagel or an English muffin, oatmeal, a banana, and your rock bottom blood sugar jumps up, right? But because these are carbohydrates, carbohydrates are metabolized pretty quickly. So as quick as your blood sugar rises, it also drops off. They're metabolized quickly. They hit the bloodstream quickly. We have this rapid rise and it falls just as fast, okay? That is why so many of us, when we have the bagel or the muffin or the biscuit, we feel hungry just an hour or two later, all right? And I used to experience this as a kid. It was really common. The breakfast in my house growing up was usually cereal. And I would have a bowl of cereal, sometimes a big bowl of cereal. And I felt like by the time my bowl hit the sink, I was hungry again, right? I was only satisfied while I was putting the spoon in my mouth. And then, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes later, I'm feeling hungry again and I'm thinking, I just had a huge bowl of cereal with milk. What's going on here? It's because we haven't structured our meals to keep that at bay, okay? We haven't structured our meals to stabilize our blood sugar. So the peak and valley that we we experience with our blood sugar triggers this false hunger and cravings, especially cravings for carbs and sugar, because your body knows that's what's gonna raise your blood sugar the fastest, and that is what it is after. Now, I also routinely talk about the fact that we have an exaggerated blood sugar and insulin response in the morning because of this overnight fast. And I've explained this before, so I'll go through it really quickly. But imagine that you've been in a dark room, completely pitch black for 12 hours, no lights at all. And then somebody comes in and switches on a floodlight. Whoa, huge shock to your system, right? Your eyes respond very, very harshly and immediately, right? But if you've been in a very well-lit room all day or you've been outside in the sun all day and somebody turns on a floodlight, you might hardly react at all. And that is very similar to your body's response to carbohydrates in the morning. 
So that is one of the most common ways that we introduce this false hunger. I refer to it as the carb cycle. We have low blood sugar, so we have these carbs. Our blood sugar rises, our insulin rises, they both drop off. Our blood sugar's low, it triggers hunger, it triggers craving, so we eat more carbs and we go through this cycle all over again and all day long we experience these really significant shifts in hunger and cravings and we never truly feel satisfied. So it can be most significant when we do this in the morning, but the same thing can happen with that mid-afternoon candy bar or alcohol later in the day or a bag of chips. These processed foods that trigger a significant response in blood sugar, whether it's in the morning or not, can lead to false hunger. And it feels very real. I get that. It feels very real, so it's hard to deny you are truly experiencing hunger. Your body is sounding all of the alarms to get you to eat, and it often, like I said, triggers cravings for what's going to raise your blood sugar the fastest, carbohydrates, and you react, of course you do, with what your body is urging you to do, and it sometimes can feel like a fight you can't win. But if you rely on willpower and you're just like, I'm going to ignore this hunger today, I will not give in, that isn't necessarily the most effective response. That's making it a lot harder than it needs to be. You're playing defense when you could play offense. Prevent that situation altogether by structuring your meals to not trigger false hunger, and we'll talk about that. But think about what a difference that would make in your compliance and your consistency and even in your need for willpower if you could eliminate false hunger and cravings, and you can. You absolutely can, and we'll talk about that when we get to practical implementation strategies. But I want to talk a little bit about the hunger hormone, which is known as ghrelin, okay? When your body senses that fuel is needed, either because of low blood sugar or because your stomach is empty, that would be not false hunger, like true hunger, your body needs food, it initiates this hormonal cascade, and ghrelin, the hunger hormone, increases, which triggers your brain to stimulate hunger, that desire to eat. And elevated ghrelin, higher levels of this hunger hormone, also encourage your body to store fat around your midsection. So we really want to keep ghrelin levels low because one, we'll experience less hunger, but two, our body won't be as prone to storing fat. So win-win, we really wanna do everything we can to keep this hunger hormone low, and that is not just so that we feel less hunger, although that's part of it. When we have low levels of ghrelin, this hunger hormone, we have less hunger, fewer cravings, and we are less prone to fat storage, okay? So we want to understand how ghrelin gives us the power, controlling ghrelin gives us the power to manage our hunger and cravings. And there are some specific strategies that we can employ to keep ghrelin low. Keep ghrelin low so that we do not experience this hunger as often, Number one is going to be staying out of that carb cycle and avoiding the processed foods and the simple sugars, especially in the morning. That is what is most important, okay? But we also want to avoid severe caloric restriction. Low-calorie diets, people who... I get emails from people saying they're trying to shoot for a 1,000 calories a day. Why are you even focusing on calories at all? Why aren't you just fueling your body with good quality foods when you know you need it, right? 
But when we go on these crash diets, people who say, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this juice fast or I'm going to do this crazy thing, low calorie diets increase ghrelin production because your body's like, hey, hey, stupid, eat something, right? So when we go on these severe caloric restriction plans, we make it harder for ourselves by upregulating up -regulating, uh, ghrelin production and experiencing more hunger. So the next thing we can do to keep ghrelin low, to manage hunger and reduce our body's propensity to fat storage, is eat more vegetables, okay? Especially vegetables that are high in water and fiber, okay? Because they are going to fill us up. So things like Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, they physically, and temporarily obviously, stretch out the stomach and that physical act lowers and suppresses ghrelin so it you don't experience hunger as frequently or as intensely. The next thing is to make sure that you are including protein and healthy fats with your meals and snacks because this is going to slow the digestive process. And we talked about how false hunger is triggered when we have rapid increases in our blood sugar. And when we focus on fat and protein, we help to stabilize the blood sugar so we avoid that false hunger sensation, especially shortly after we have eaten. Avoiding fructose. Now, I am not talking about fruit. I am talking about the fact that fructose, a sugar derived from fruit, which is in fruit, but that's not the major offender here, is in almost all processed foods and soft drinks and fruit juice, okay? So it is concentrated in those processed foods. Especially, I mean, you might see it as high fructose corn syrup, but that's certainly not the only form. Fructose raises your ghrelin levels, so it is going to trigger and upregulate hunger. And it also, fructose also lowers another hormone known as leptin. Leptin is your satiety hormone, which makes you feel full. So at the same time, fructose, which is very concentrated in almost all processed foods, things in boxes, bags, cans, whatever, is going to increase ghrelin, making you feel more hungry, and decrease leptin, making you feel less satisfied. So double whammy that we want to avoid. The next thing is to really focus on staying hydrated because even mild dehydration can dramatically increase your feelings of hunger. So this is an easy one. This is a no-brainer. Stay hydrated. And I recently did an entire episode on water, how much you should have, how you should get it in, the best ways to get your water, what to avoid. So check that out if you haven't already. Next up is to avoid stress, which I know can be really hard, but even if we work on managing our response to stress and avoid overreacting over little things, like is it worth stressing over finding your keys as opposed to just, I can't find my keys, I'm gonna look around until I find them. Getting worked up about it is not gonna help me find them any faster. When we are overly stressed out, our body upregulates ghrelin production because stress is a sign of danger in the body. And when your body perceives danger, it's going to want you to eat to make sure that you have enough fuel reserves in case something goes wrong. Now, as it relates to hunger and ghrelin, exercise is a double-edged sword, okay? First of all, anytime I talk about exercise, I want to say you can burn fat and transform your body without exercise. All the personal trainers out there might hate me for saying it, but it's true because 90% or more of your results are going to come from what you put in your mouth. Exercise can help. Exercise is good for your body. But if you're not ready to take that on yet, 
Don't worry about it. I lost my first 50 pounds without setting foot in a gym. No big deal. Don't stress about it. But if you are going to exercise, this is a double-edged sword. Certain types of activity can suppress ghrelin, can inhibit ghrelin and make you experience less hunger. I'm sure many of you have experienced leaving the gym in both of these situations. Certain types of workouts make you feel ravenously hungry and like you could eat through an entire grocery store and not emerge for like a week, right? Whereas other types of workouts just make you, the last thing on your mind is food and you don't want to go near it and you don't want to touch it. The way this normally works for most people, and I encourage everybody to evaluate their own response, but the very common thing from a hormonal perspective is that high intensity intervals and weight training Increase your production of human growth hormone, which inhibits ghrelin, the hunger hormone. So interval training and weight training inhibit ghrelin, so you experience less hunger. Chronic cardio, jogging, spin classes, any type of moderate to high intensity, longer duration cardio is going to upregulate hunger. Now, everybody's response here will be slightly different, but there are some hormonal principles at play where your short duration, high intensity, or your weight training are going to inhibit hunger, okay? So that is something you can do to manage your hunger. I got into a trap where I was exercising too much, specifically running too much, and it was like, I was negating the effect because I was overeating afterwards because it did so much to my appetite. So for many people who do work out regularly, who feel like they can't overcome their hunger, part of it might be because of the way you're working out and just shifting the types of workouts you do or the frequency or the duration of the workouts can make a big difference on your hunger. Okay, the other thing that I want to mention as far as controlling hunger is actually omega-3 fatty acids. Now, I did an entire episode on omega-3s, how you can get them, uh, cold water fish like salmon, sardines, anchovies, mackerels, or high-quality supplementation. Insufficient omega-3 intake, which most of us experience, actually increases your ghrelin production and can lead to more hunger. So I make sure to add in those fatty fish a few times a week, and I do notice that it controls my hunger much more so than when I don't have that. Now, I also want to acknowledge, we've talked about some practical strategies for controlling hunger, but I need to acknowledge the fact that sometimes your hunger is not about hormones or a lack of fuel. Sometimes it's about your behavior and your patterns and your anticipation. We often train ourselves to expect food. If you routinely have a snack at 10 a.m., at 9.50, you start to perceive hunger. It's anticipatory. It is a learned response. And with that first sign of hunger, we're like, oh, it's time to eat. Is it? Does your body need fuel? right? We tend to get a little scared, like if I don't eat now, something bad is going to happen. And that's not necessarily the case. We really should work towards questioning hunger. Is this real? Does my body need fuel? If I just had, I mean, just from a logical standpoint, right? If I'm an average individual and at eight o'clock in the morning, I had two eggs and two slices of bacon and a half an avocado and a cup of coffee, Two hours later, does my body really need this snack or am I just looking for a reason to eat, have programmed myself to eat? Many of us have this behavioral anticipatory hunger as we approach mealtime. We're like, ooh, it's another opportunity to eat. And it's 
irrespective of how our body really feels, but we can experience this false hunger that is entirely behavioral. The most important thing to ask yourself is, does my body really need fuel right now? I mean, honestly, if I've been sitting at work for the last two hours on my butt, going through emails, sitting on conference calls, does my body really need fuel or am I just looking for a reason to eat because I enjoy whatever my snack is or I've anticipated it for so long, right, patterns of behavior for weeks or months or years that I'm just like, I just want it. That's a big difference. There's a very big difference. And it's not that you can't eat, right? If you experience this hunger, real or not, you surely can. But why not save whatever it is and time it for when your body truly needs fuel? Just consider this. I'm not recommending this, but I'm just posing this as a question to think about. What if the only change you made right now to your eating habits was not changing what you eat, but only changing when you eat. What if you only ate, even if it was pizza and Taco Bell and ice cream, when your body truly needs fuel? What if that was it? Don't you think that would lead to progress no matter what you were eating? And I'm not recommending the Taco Bell diet, but for some people starting out, you can start with not changing what you eat, but just tuning into when your body really, really needs fuel and when it doesn't. And that's step one, right? For some people, that would be a really powerful step one to just say, whatever it is I choose to eat isn't the, isn't the point right now, isn't the focus right now. But I am going to say the commitment I will make is to eat when my body needs fuel. And if that's five hours after a meal, that's five hours after a meal. If it's 10 hours after a meal, it's 10 hours after a meal. If it's two hours after a meal, that's fine. But I'm not going to eat when my body doesn't need to eat, right? I'm not saying that's the best approach, but that would lead to progress for many, many people. Another approach is just to change the structure of your meals so you experience hunger less often. Remember that certain foods and certain food timing will trigger hunger. So maybe your starting point is just to avoid carbs in the morning, right? And to focus your breakfast on fat and protein. Or maybe your focus is to add in those uh, satisfying vegetables that really stretch out your stomach temporarily and suppress hunger, making sure that you have some of those vegetables at two of your three meals. Maybe that's the only thing that you do. Maybe you cut out processed foods before 2 p.m., something like that. There are so many different ways to skin the cat here that can all lead to progress. The last thing I want to talk about is practicing perspective on hunger, okay? You will not die if you are hungry for an hour. People go into a meeting at lunchtime and they're feeling a little hungry and the only option is pizza and they they write it off as, I had to eat the pizza because it was there and I was hungry. I mean, what was I supposed to do? You will not die. You will not wreck your metabolism. You won't even influence your metabolism at all if you wait a few hours and deal with it, right? It is not something that will kill you. So many of us are like, well, I mean, I was hungry. And we use that as an excuse to write ourselves off. Like, what was I supposed to do if I had waited till I got home? Well, what? I mean, what would happen if you waited till you got home? Like, it's you're not going to die being hungry. Think about perspective. And again, I I like to warn I'm not going to like start singing Sarah McLachlan and showing you pictures of animals and things like that. But like, we do not suffer from hunger the way that the world suffers from hunger. So when you start to panic, like, I'm really hungry. I have to have a handful of M&Ms right now to take the edge off. I mean, 
no, you don't. No, you don't. That 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 is a choice. You can have the M&Ms because they're there, but like don't use hunger as the excuse, okay? Because being hungry for a few hours, being hungry for a day is not going to kill you and it's also not going to make you overeat or overindulge. Like, yeah, yesterday was a nightmare, man. I made the mistake of letting myself get hungry and then I polished off a whole pizza. We didn't do that because you were hungry. You did that because you chose to eat a whole pizza. We have this really messed up perspective about hunger. As soon as we experience hunger, we better get something to eat. And if we don't, we're going to be like a Tasmanian devil through the pantry. No, you're not. You might choose to overeat, but it's because you're letting yourself off the hook and lying to yourself saying that you don't have control as soon as you experience the first sign of hunger or the second or the third. And it's just not true. You do have control. Even when you're hungry, you have the same control you didn't before. It's just maybe that you aren't exercising it. And that takes practice. And maybe you never practice. Maybe you don't practice often enough. So practicing perspective on hunger, like right now as I sit here recording this, I am hungry. Now, could I argue that I should go like, yeah, I'm hungry, I could go eat right now. My body doesn't necessarily need fuel. But if I were to say, you know, the only thing here right now, and it's, you know, it's, it's not true, but what just popped into my head is like um, these potato chips that are like crab flavored. I don't know why that just popped into my head. But if those were here right now, I let myself get hungry and then I just tore through the bag. It has nothing to do with being hungry. It's just we use that as an excuse to justify it because it takes away our personal responsibility. It lets us off the hook. And you have the same amount of control over your choices when you are hungry as you do when you don't. It's just that you aren't exercising it. It takes practice and maybe you should practice more often. So there are a lot of different things that we can do to manage hunger, both real hunger and not real hunger, from our food choices, but also from our perspective. And it is a practice, even with changing your habits, right? Focusing on fat and protein, focusing on vegetables, making sure you stay hydrated. All of those things are also a practice that we should very, very carefully monitor and manage our response to. So that's all I have to say about hunger. I would love to hear any feedback that you guys have. You know you can shoot me an email. Head over to primalpotential.com. Get on the email list. It gives you immediate access to me. I respond to all the emails. I love hearing from you guys. So I'm looking forward to hanging out with you again on Saturday. And until then, stay healthy. At LensCrafters, we value expertly tailored eye care, provide state-of-the-art eye exams, offer a wide assortment of designer brands and high-quality lenses, because everything we do at LensCrafters is for every site that makes your life special. We offer 50% off lenses with frame purchase, shop in-store and online. Book your annual eye exam now on LensCrafters.com. LensCrafters, because sight. Eye exams are available at the Independent Doctor of Optometry at or next to LensCrafters. Doctors in some states are employed by LensCrafters. Offer valid to April 2nd, 2023. See Associate for details.